0: Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. It looked to spotlight like the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In the world of wrestling, where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads... Don't get lost in a sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20x20 20 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even zubaz, then drop them a line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool.
1: <laughs> fresh, 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 fresh is the word.
2: I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty of hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though We see your kicks and we laugh and yellin' what it goes. You see me shinin' like a suit on puffy You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy That's why the dude call money I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably somethin' to yo Tryin' to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog Gotta full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow And the pressure fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence Bitch, you see the way I'm rappin'? Yes, I do this shit to death, I tell I'm running out of breath Or tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh But either way, you know it's fresh Fresh, fresh. 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 We fresh Fresh Fresh, fresh.
1: fresh.
0: God let it, we fresh Hey everybody, welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh-Fraser. Like always, we have the freshest of guests on this podcast. This episode is dedicated to the first day of this year's C2E2 convention in Chicago that happened back on February 28th through March 1st. And to start things off, we have comic book writer Michael Morisi, along with Impact Theory founder and co-founder of Quest Nutrition, Tom Bilyeu, talking about the release of the sci-fi comic book, Hexagon. Maurici is known for comics like Wasted Space, The Plot, Archangel 8, and Curse. Hexagon is a nostalgic coming-of-age story reminiscent of something like The Last Starfighter, coupled with Star Wars-like Galaxy Adventures. This is the second series from Impact Theory, after Neon Future. And after that, I speak with author Rita Woods, author of the book Remembrance. This is her debut title. It's a historical fiction that tackles issues of slavery, legacy, the power of womanhood, and the lingering effects of racism over spans of centuries. Um, before we you know, started the chat, I learned that Woods is from Detroit, so we talk a lot about Detroit and growing up in Detroit. We also talked about Remembrance and her motivation behind writing this story. So, uh, without further ado, let's first get into the interview with Michael Morisi and Tom Bilyeu. Before we get into it, uh, and then after that, we'll uh, get into my interview with Rita
3: Woods. Alright, I'm Tom Bilyeu. I am Michael Morisi. And so the idea behind Hexagon, the new book, uh, was so we teamed up with a world-famous DJ named Don Diablo to create a story. We wanted something that um, would be exciting for fans of sci-fi but be a little bit different. wanted to do something nostalgic, so Michael and I really connected over the idea of setting this in the 80s um, and having this kid that basically unwittingly unlocked a secret in his life. And that was sort of the the origin, and then this guy, Mr. Morisi, the the king of comics right now, just turned it into took it from that kernel of an idea and turned it into what it is today. Which yeah, is this uh, guy's very been killing
0: it, man. Like, <laughs> yo, we've been killing it, yo.
2: <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun project to work on. It's kind of an easy, easy project for me because it, it crosses a so many Venn diagram of things that I love of the nostalgia, the sci-fi adventure. Um, we also kind of crafted something with with Tom and with Don, uh, in, in his input as well. That's something like we want to be important. That it was just like not just a nostalgic fest, but something that really spoke to kids. You know, of this kind of this kind of age group, 12 years old, 10, 14, somewhere in that in that spread of like what it's like to be a kid, what it's like to have these experiences of youth and and going through these you know coming of age uh, uh, trials, and uh, it all kind of worked so well within the fabric of what Hexagon is.
3: What's the idea behind, you know, teaming up with like a DJ for this? You know, this is the second one that really comes down to awareness. So I knew that as an upstart comic book company, no one would know who we are or care what we were doing. And I needed some way to get PR. So I went for a celebrity um, like approach to it. So our first project, Neon Future, was done with Um, Steve Aoki, which was amazing and it got us so much press, uh, which was really exciting, which of course fuels sales and then wanted to do the same thing, met Don Diablo, he's got real legit sci-fi roots, he did a clothing collaboration with Lucas, uh, Lucasfilm, so did a whole Star Wars collab, so he is just truly, truly of that world, knew it would be a lot of fun and and again, it's, it's just gotten us so much coverage.
0: When you kind of go that celebrity routes to get that uh, attention, you know, what was the what was the sort of feedback that you got about the
3: actual books? Like as soon as they <laughs> so right that's up. where if you make a celebrity vanity project, you are dead in the water. So <laughs> right. you absolutely must one choose a celebrity that understands that story over everything, and then two make sure that you work with writers that are absolutely top notch. Which is why we wanted to work with Michael. Um, I straight stalked him and uh, was like, look, you were the one person I wanted to meet. Luckily we um, had some friends in common that, that connected us and really, we really hit it off. What he's doing on a story level, I had read his novel um, and was just blown away with how he handles character. Yeah. He never gets lost in the nostalgia, but yet it's there. And he's, he's written these books that are very much an homage to Star Wars, but have their own DNA have real emotion, real characters, and I thought that that's somebody that can really write in this sweet spot. And then as a father, he knows how to speak to this age group. Yeah, and the thing is, is like sometimes when you um,
0: you work with someone from a different industry like that, like their sort of time frame about projects is a lot different than comics. Comics, it's like this ongoing thing where if someone drops an album, they they might continue to work the album, but then when their next project is is going on, they like. You know, they think about that project, you know, but with comics, you still, you know, you're still going to work, you know, work the the previous book while you're doing this one. Kind of talk about sort of working with these two DJs
3: and like, what was, what was their, were they into to uh, promoting this book? So the, I I won't speak for DJs en masse, but I will speak definitely for Steve Aoki and Don Diablo. They are two of the hardest working human beings I've ever met in my life. Like I like to think that I'm a cyborg sent back from the future, but these two, these two are insane, man. It, it yeah, it it is crazy how much they work. Um, so they've been super fast. They've gotten feedback in fast. They were amazing in the world building phase, the character development phase. Uh, feedback comes fast and furious, and they have good ideas, man. And there's nothing worse than working with a collaborator that you don't vibe with.
0: Was there you know. From your standpoint, Mike, what was there any sort of thing like that was different about this project? You know, collaborating with different types of people than say your your other uh, books.
2: Um. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm I'm a person who believes and, and enjoys the collaboration of comics. Like like Tom had mentioned, I write novels as well, and that's a more a solitary pursuit. Uh, where comics is really really collaborative, whether you work with a co writer or, or not artist, letter, colorist, editor, uh, publisher, it's a very collaborative medium. And I enjoy that. I enjoy bringing a wealth of ideas to the table and letting them compete uh, and bringing out the best ones. I'm not an egotistical person. like, I'm like, whatever's going to be the best, then that's what we're going to go with. And so, if you're fortunate enough to have a, of like a buffet of ideas, which we did, which having Tom, which having Don, which having you know me, and we're all able to throw throw some ideas and concepts and world building and stuff like that together, and then decide which is going to be the best and what we're going to go with, and going hard into that. You're in the best position possible, so it's only it's you know you can get into a situation where you can have too many cooks in the kitchen. You can, right, uh, right. this was not that situation, uh, but it's only gonna help you to have competing ideas and be able to pick the best, rather than being you know a lone voice in the void. Uh, is my opinion.
0: What was it about this 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 idea that made you you know want to come on board and do it? Uh,
2: well, I think they had me as, like, they, they mentioned it was, like, Last Starfighter, and that was, like, that's all I really needed. <laughs> but uh, uh, but from there, you know, developing from there, one of the things, and Tom and mentioned this, um, one of the things that I really love and one of the things that I'm really getting into uh, is, is telling stories, like I mentioned, for this age group, being a dad, and knowing, seeing firsthand the experience that kids have, especially young boys, which I, I have two boys, uh, and being able to tell a story that speaks to them, uh, was exciting for me. And this was such a perfect, perfect vehicle for it because, you know, you have, I love telling stories that are dynamic, you know? So you have the story, it's super dynamic, but yet super intimate at the same time. You know, it's a, it's a really big, fun sci-fi adventure story, but with real intimate personal stakes. And once you put those two things together, I don't think there's really a better alchemy that you can ask for. You know,
0: and this is a question for both of you, What what do you hope people get out of reading this book?
3: So for me, that's very easy. So the whole reason that this company exists is to make sure that nobody ever gets to the age of 15 without encountering a growth mindset. So it it is very classic hero's journey stuff. You start with a character that does not understand the world, they do not know how to make their way, they're lost, they're hopeless, frustrated, broken, Uh, and they, through the course of the story, have to believe in themselves and then have to work really hard to develop their talents. So our ethos as a company is nobody's ever given powers. They have to learn how to develop those powers. And so even though in this and in Neon Future, our characters have something extraordinary about them, they start not knowing how to tap into that. And that to me is the human condition. Everybody has something about them that could be amazing, but they're gonna have to take the time to develop it. And so what I hope people get out of the story is that with enough hard work, I can become extraordinary. yeah, I
2: mean, I can't, I couldn't say it better, and that's one of the things that inspires me about Tom personally. Uh, I, love, I love that uh, philosophy. It's something I truly believe in. Uh, but, you know, boiling it down for me, you know, like I said, similar to Tom, same as Tom, uh, but also I just want kids to be entertained and inspired. You know, um, I have a five-year-old who who, who cannot read, <laughs> um, but I see him, and I, and I text Tom pictures of my five-year-old like reading Hexagon, and he just picks it up and reads it because the colors, are, the colors pop, the action pops, and he just loves looking at it. And I think that's something that's really important, like to be able to pick up a comic, we're working in a visual medium, you know, to be able to pick up a comic, look at it, and be... Uh, drawn to it and that's something powerful in and of itself so you check that box of, of being entertained but also like being inspired all the things that Tom talked about being able to read something and think this person achieved something great and I can do the same
0: looks like there's some people uh, waiting to uh, meet you so I'll just you know we'll wrap this up in a moment what you know I know both y'all I always have stuff, you know, other things you're working on. You know, what are some other projects or other things that you know we can look out for both of y'all in the future?
2: Uh let's see. Uh I, I'm writing the plot that's still ongoing. We mentioned that. Yeah, plot's uh, dope. that's coming back for its second volume, the final volume. Uh of Space is still going. I have a new series called Archangel 8 coming. Uh and Hexagon, you know, Hexagon's uh really looking forward to that. March 18th, that's gonna be a big day. Yeah.
3: And I'm just trying to find more projects to do with Michael Marisi. Let me tell you that right now. (laughs) Always always waiting for uh, a hole in his schedule to open up. I pitched him uh, an idea that I think he uh, likes that hopefully we'll be doing together in the future. And then we've got some other books. So we're going to be leaning heavily on the Tonkaban format. So people are familiar with Japanese manga. uh, It'll be that style. It's a smaller cut. It looks like a book on the shelf. Um, but it's drawn, so we're going to be doing moving away from monthly and going into just releasing in, in volume format still serialized, but right. telling complete arcs all at once. Um, so this time next year, we ought to have a couple of those on the racks. Uh, so I'm super excited about that.
0: All right, cool. It's been good talking with y'all. When where can people go online to get more information about you know what you're up to in the in the new comic book Hexagon?
3: Easiest way is to go to It Comics on Instagram. So at It Comics. Um, and you can follow me personally at at Tom Bilyeu. And this man?
2: Uh, uh, at Michael Morisi on both Twitter and Instagram.
3: There it is. All right. It's been great talking with y'all. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So that was my interview with Michael Morisi and tom bill go check out that new comic book hexagon it's in stores now uh since we're in this pandemic uh you can go online to read it go to uh, comics.impacttheory.com and you can get more information about all the comics that impact theory is doing um so let's get into this interview now with rita woods and as we talk about her debut book remembrance Again, I'm here at uh, C2E2. And I got a really cool guest, and I just learned she is from Detroit. So go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hi, my name is Rita Woods. I, yeah,
0: it was like when when I was going through you know emails that I got about people going to be here. You know, I, I saw you know your name and I looked into it. And I'm like, oh, she has a new book coming out. And like this looks very uh, interesting. But then like. You just met, like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I just came here from Detroit, and you're like, yo, yeah, I'm from Detroit, you know? So, you know, and like, yeah, go ahead and say again, like, uh, you know, where you, you know, what part of uh, Detroit are you from, you know? What, what was it like, you know, being from Detroit?
1: So, I grew up on the northwest side um, in Palmer Woods and Sherwood Forest, um, which is kind of a unique part of the city, and um, went to an all-girl Catholic school, so I was part of that whole system, the Immaculata, the Rosary, Mercy. Oh, yeah. That that system. And um, I, I loved growing up in Detroit. It was when I was there. It was still a really vital city, and there was stuff going on all the time down on the riverfront—the boat races, the fireworks that they did with Canada, the Windsor-Detroit fireworks. Doing hanging out at Belle Isle. It, I love Detroit. What was, your
0: fa- what was your favorite part of like kind of growing up in Detroit? Like, was there, what, what's things that stick out in your mind? You're like, yo, this is so Detroit.
1: I don't. I don't know if they still do this. Do you remember swing out? Um, so, all, uh, right around senior year, at the end of the school year, all the schools would get together. We weren't supposed to do this, but this is what we did, yeah. um, and there'd be, ca- you know, caravans of cars with high school kids hanging out the windows, going up and down the interstate.
0: Yeah, oh, okay, that the sounds The police good.
1: were just irate, but there were so, because it was... There were right 20 schools all doing it what were they going to do about it so swing out was one of my favorite things you just hope to
0: contain it you yeah know? exactly
1: <laughs> exactly trying to keep them from killing themselves and they and they basically they would put out these psa's every year like please do not stand on the roof and do donuts in the parking lot <laughs> it's, you know bad for your health like yeah i guess we can do that um so i loved that part about it um I love being able to go into Canada, just free. F- you know, Windsor was basically a suburb of Detroit. Yeah, so right. so, yeah. Before the whole,
0: uh, you know, Nine passport thing, thing. Yeah. Try, yo, you just like go back and forth. You know. All right. Like, like you celebrated your nineteenth birthday by going to, to, to Windsor to drink. You exactly. know. Exactly. That's what I did. You know. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they didn't even ask you anything. Like, what are you doing? I'm going over to party. You
0: know. Right, you'd just be like, I'm, I'm just going to the bar. You know. Right. <laughs> so you have a. This is your first book, right? Yes. Yeah, it's called Remember It. It's kind of, you know, you know, what's it about? Because I, I, from what I saw, there was like, it's kind of like broken down into three parts. Th- right. Three different sort of, like, you know, places in time, you know?
1: So um, it takes place across basically three centuries, and it starts just before the Haitian Revolution in the 1790s and comes all the way to the 21st century. And it's basically the story of four women, all of who are imbued with – I don't want to say magical powers, but um, they have special abilities. And it's sort of the, the pivot point around which all these women um, uh, rotate is Mother Abigail. And she's a voodoo priestess who can create a parallel universe, who has created a parallel universe in Ohio that's a stop on the Underground Railroad.
0: Right, right. Nice. Like, from what I, from what I so, you know, see, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, It's kind of like you know a lot of history in regards to like the different like culture you know black culture Mm -hmm. in America you know there's you know whether it's you know folklore or other things you know kind of talk about the authenticity uh, kind of bringing all these sort of the history of different types of black people in in America into this book
1: so Um, When when I first was conceiving of the book, it was mostly, I want to tell the story about this woman who has these powers to create this world, and she's getting older, and um, now she's going to have to pass this place, Remembrance, on to the next generation. But as you start to tell that, you start thinking, well, how does she get these powers? And so, ultimately, that led me to voodoo. And... um, Voodoo in popular culture has this very strange, dark, black, um, black image where basically you're biting heads off chickens, you're sticking pins into dolls, you're, you know, raising zombies from the dead. And the the fascinating history about that is that is truly not, none of that has anything to do with voodoo at all in reality. Um, But if you're going to do anything about voodoo, you have to start in Haiti. And Haiti has this really fascinating history um, in and of itself um, and so I wanted to de- place it in a time of disruption and of course that ended up being just before the Haitian Revolution so you have to tell a little bit of story about Haiti and how slavery impacted Haiti and then um, Haiti of course is very closely connected to New Orleans which is a totally different culture yeah, itself yeah. you know um, so hey ha- you know New Orleans was under Spanish control and then French control and then American control, and so all of that influenced um, the culture and of course the culture of the black people that were there. so yeah. Abigail is is a product of both Western Africa and Haiti. Um, the character Margot is strictly a, a product of, of um, upper middle class New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and then the most the modern character, Gael, basically was um, displaced from Haiti. Um, with, with the earthquake, so all of these come from different sensibilities. So there is a common thread, but they're all very different. And their perspective is different.
0: In in this country, you know, history is taught just on a general level, with a lot missing. You know, it's basically right. it's basically white history. You know, right. So having you know stories from the black people in America are usually have to be you know taught to each generation kind of like how does that idea kind of sort of fit into the story
1: so you know there's a you know in african culture there's a long history of oral storytelling right um and i think what happens is you know some a lot of things get whitewashed so I think if you can give people kind of an in at something that's interesting, like, for instance, the voodoo. Everyone, like you say voodoo and everyone's ears perk up. But it's like, yeah, but did you know that it's basically a, um, a, an amalgam of West African religion and Catholicism? Because basically what people did in Haiti was they took the Catholic saints and they absorbed them and said, well, we can always use more people talking to God. So that <laughs> be, instead of just, here's our gods and we're just gonna absorb some Catholic saints too. And they'll all talk together to God, um, so I think if you just sort of teach it from that perspective, that stuff that we just take for granted, and whatever, it becomes more interesting, and you can move move it along and make the story bigger. In
0: our culture, the 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 types of people, types of sort of background that are considered black, there's there's a lot of different types of people. Absolutely. And what's your thoughts about the label of? black to fit in to fit all these different things because like throughout time there's been a progression of what they you know you call you know you had black before you had like negro and right go back on and things were totally messy back right <laughs> still are in right. <laughs> certain instances but sort of you know wrapping all that culture from different places into like that one label sort of what's your thoughts about that
1: so i think it's i think people have to have sort of a shorthand at um, because it's it gets too, dif- you know, if you talk to people who, they're from New York, and they'll say, well, I, you're African-American. No, I'm African-African. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm from Nigeria. I'm not African-American. Or you talk to someone um, from Cuba, and they're like, I'm Afro-Cuban. But I think it's easier for people, you know, and it's, Kind of intellectually lazy to just see someone of color, someone brown, and say they're African American. Yeah, yeah. So I think black m- better encompasses the diaspora better than just saying African American because you don't know. Yeah. You, if you're if you're in London, it's like they're clearly not African American; they're African Brits. Um, even here, um, so I don't have a problem with the labeling as long as you recognize that we are referring to the African diaspora. There are people from th- that you're going to see of color who are not. A, they're not American, but they they're sort of we have a a commonality in how we ended up in the Western Hemisphere, uh, but they may be from um, the West Indies, they may be from um, South America, they may be from you know almost anywhere, and as long as we acknowledge that their his our histories aren't identical, but there are some commonalities. I think it, again, you open your mind to knowing what our, the true history in America is, which is much deeper and often darker than what's taught in, in the history books.
0: What sort of research did you do to sort of make sure everything was authentic for this book?
1: Oh, man. I love research. I, I would just stay there. and The problem with that is it makes the writing slow, so instead of like ripping out a book, so for instance, I would look. I need to look up. Oh, I need to know what kind of yellow flower grows on the banks of the Mississippi <laughs> in the fall. And two hours later, I have no idea. But I can tell you how turpentine is made.
0: <laughs> or you, you see know. something. or you just stumble upon something cool? And be like, yo, I want to make that right. that character in this book. And now Th- I'm off
1: I'm a <laughs> totally different direction. Yeah. So that's problematic. That's the big problem with loving the research. And that was sort of what happened with the whole getting into the Haiti thing. It was like, oh yeah, and there were the black codes and the black the, the French wrote, and the black codes in, entitled this. Oh, well, that means this character would be this kind of a slaveholder, and he was this, and and you just kind of you gotta rein it in sometimes because you just get lost like, what was I talking about again? Um but I did a lot of I did a lot of research. The odd thing is a lot of this book takes place in, in Haiti and New Orleans, never been to either place. Um, there is a part, of the, uh, the other part of the book does take place in Cleveland and Ohio. Now, those places I have been. Okay. Um, so that made that easier than, the, but I, I love the research. I absolutely love the research.
0: What, what sort of, you know, why did you use this book? You know, what sort of was the, the motivation to begin with to want to do this?
1: So it's funny story. I tell the story everywhere I go. So um, I read everything. I read the back of cereal boxes if I'm sitting at the kitchen table. <laughs> I read people's laundry lists. I, I read everything. If there's some a written word somewhere, no matter what I'm doing, <laughs> if I'm waiting for my Chinese food to get ready, I'm reading the mi- I read everything. So I was visiting this friend who's an artist, and she had this and I was in the bathroom and she had this book called um, Quantum Mechanics for Dummies. Two, I don't one, I don't know why an artist would have that book. And The other part of that is that means you're in the bathroom a really, really long time.
0: Right, right. So
1: I'm reading this book and I'm like, I don't it's okay, it's supposed to be for dummies. I don't understand anything that this what this book is about. Except it came to this one part where it was talking about, you know, when you're sitting on a train and then there's a train on the track next to you and then one of them starts to move and then you have that weird disconnect moment when you're not sure if you're moving or they're moving or which direction you're going in. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were explaining that that is one of the theories of quantum mechanics, which is time and space and speed is all relative. And again, as a kind of a writer and a reader, there was that moment of, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool if somebody could control that, if they (laughs) had the ability to actually manipulate that? Right, right. And so that sort of was the genesis of this old woman who could manipulate that and – create this sanctuary on the Underground Railroad. So
0: Great, great yeah, that's dope. Like (laughs) wow
1: Right, right, (laughs) right. You're
0: like uh, it's crazy where like like ideas can come from, you know, you'd be like you'll be just like reading something and clicking your mind and you go from like reading a thing about watching a stupid T V show to like, yo, I'm gonna do this thing, it's gonna be wow
1: like that. And and sometimes it's just totally random. Like you you could be watching (laughs) You know, toast will pop up, and you go, huh, I wonder how toaster works. And then, again, that takes you down the rabbit hole <laughs> of, well, what if there were genies who lived in the... To-, you know, and you can just get ideas anywhere.
0: What do you hope people get out of this book?
1: Um, I hope a couple of things. Um, I, beca- again, going back to the whole history thing, I hope that it sparks an interest in, in sort of the historical part, whether that's sort of the history of New Orleans, the history of Haiti um the history of the earthquake currently in Haiti, you know, the devastation that it wrought. Just just something about the historical aspect that it pulls people in. But the other part that I think I wanted people to get out of that is I don't see these women as victims, even though they all had sort of catastrophic things happen to their to their lives. I saw that each one of them was able to pull something out of themselves that allowed them to manipulate and create the best life they could for themselves. And I would hope that people sort of get that there is magic in the world, not yeah. not Harry Potter with wands magic, but magic in yourself.
0: Yeah, a lot of times, whether it's in books, movies, TV shows, um, kind of black stories, there's always sort of like there's a victim that plays yes. a victim, or there's like the white savior. Yes, there's, there's, there's stuff like that. What do you hope like not even with just your book, but in general, what kind of stories and how do you, you, know, how do you want those stories told? What, you know, what things should be told? Because like, there's also a lot of people who are like, yo, we're sick of you know, the same things, sick of the slavery movies, we're yeah. sick of the you know, whatever. What you know, stories do you think should be told? How should they be told? And how should you think they should be told?
1: So, you know, we're not a monolith. You know, we're not homogenous, and I th- and I think that's the problem with, you know, when we talk about it among ourselves is, this isn't our only story. If you remember that whole controversy that happened with the Cosby Show, it was like, well, a, a black OB-GYN and a you know a, a high-powered corporate attorney, well, that's not real.
0: And these kids are listening to punk rock music and right. some stupid rock bands, and right. they're wearing sweaters.
1: And it, and it was sort of like one of those things, like, it is our story. That's not the story that greater America or white America is used to hearing. But to be perfectly honest, that's how I grew up. There's I, people like that. There's not people like that. Right, but you remember the whole thing? It was like the big controversy was, well, this isn't real. Well, it is real because you, it's just that America has gotten, the United States has gotten used to seeing the stories of boys in the hood, yeah, or yeah. you know, some uh, you know, black folks live in the ghetto and uh, trying to strive and and precious. Not to say that those aren't. There is a place for that. There's yeah, there's place
0: for those. Those are good right. movies and stuff like that, and those are definitely things that people connect to. Right. But that's not all. You know, Correct. black culture There is. are
1: upper middle class black people. In, that are CEOs of corp- major Fortune 500 corporations, that run colleges, that are inventors, that you know, sort of like the whole hidden figures. Like, oh my God, I didn't know. So and that's who
0: they were. They weren't like right. It wasn't like this 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 black woman, this black man grew up in a white culture or something right. like that. No, there's people that, that j- that's just how they grew up. Right. Yeah, and that's that's who they are.
1: And I th- and I, I think that's what I want is for it's like we have so many stories that you know are invisible we are not a monolith we are not one type we are not one socioeconomic class one educational class we are everywhere and we are everything and our stories are can be fascinating
0: that is a great place to end this interview that was so powerful where can people go online to get more information about the book and what you're up to
1: so um you can go to my website ritawoodswrites.com um you can go to the forge.com um website i'm everywhere i'm on instagram i'm on twitter
0: yeah you are this has been a great interview i'm glad we got you know we linked up to a talk with that like i i loved it it was it was great thank you thank you (laughs) yo thank you for listening to this episode of fresh of the word hosted and produced by myself kelly k fresh fraser empowered by anchor at anchor.fm slash fresh of the word Intro theme music by Foulmouth, Shimmy Bango, and Knox Money. Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash freshoftheword. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at freshofthewordpodcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com groups slash freshoftheword. For more information about Fresh is the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshisthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night.
1: Fresh is the Word.